Ooh, dancing. <laughs> Good afternoon, all. Wow. You guys will never get to see the dance we uh, do. Sorry, pal. Welcome to Throwing the Power, where the powers are thrown in and the points don't matter. That's right. The hey. points are just like uh, time spent with your sister on a summer vacation. Nah, it's not getting you anywhere. Stop it. <laughs> all right. <laughs> This is Throwing the Power, where uh, theoretically uh, some of us love the film, some of us may hate the film, and uh, at the end of the day we all have a hug and we move on with our lives. I think that theory mm. is going to become a reality in this episode. Oh, that some love hate and, and some love it. Wow. Yeah. It often yeah. Early isn't. call. Early call. No, it's a divisive yeah. episode. I think call ahead, your I think. shot because we so often go, <laughs> theoretically this is the pod, but get ready because <laughs> we fucking doubt it. <laughs> Uh, ultimately, we want someone to throw in the power by the end of this. We do rate this on a score of 11. Tom, are you prepped for this one? I am. I wasn't too ready for the last <laughs> one. I am. Uh, we're doing the movie Stargate from 1994 and we rate this film out of 11 because that's the amount of times that Kurt Russell had to be held back from giving James Spader noogies and wedgies during the filming of this movie <laughs> <laughs> because he's such a little dweeb. Nerd! Nerd! <laughs> the whole <laughs> film you see Kurt Russell looking at him and be like, I want to fucking Doesn't swirl he literally, this little punk so bad. Doesn't he try and describe him to the uh, the alien civilization? Like, do you know the word dweeb? It's yeah. the word dweeb. And, dweeb, dweeb, yeah, you. dweeb. and there is deleted scenes where he's like, uh, uh, Pussy, uh, <laughs> little bitch boy. I don't know. Do any of these mean something to you? Roman Emmerich is like, keep oh, going, keep going, keep going. Throw out slurs. He was a handsome dweeb, though. James, He's a handsome James man. He looks entirely different than than the James Spader we know and love. Yeah, love. Oh, I love. It's him. I love him. Yeah, I love it's him. there, it's but there. he looks like this. He's got beautiful hair. Yeah, and he's got eyeballs that you can see. He's which intensely is nice. handsome. James Spader. I think so. Wow. I'm excited. Handsome. I'm excited to talk about this movie for very few reasons. Besides <laughs> James Spader, this is a 4.6 for me. Wow. wow. Right out the fucking gate. Wow. I did not have fun here. Neither but did I. thank you, no. James Spader. Uh, I'm going to follow that up with a four. Well, I might just join in with you guys and give it a 3.7. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> and Chris with a one. This film, it, it's it's for you guys what The Mummy was. So a very, like, favourite childhood film. It's just sure. a happy place. Sure. And that is this for me. This film... Is perfect. Oh my goodness perfect. gracious me! Wait. This film. Wait. Oh, <laughs> oh, 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 turn the volume up. Turn the volume up. What's going on? This film oh. is an eleven. <laughs> <laughs> and that's not a joke. You're not joking. not joking. I'm not joking. No. This this is a perfect film. The film isn't perfect. The f- it, but is it is a perfect film to you? Yeah, to you. You just switched the order of the words perfect and film. It doesn't change. It does. It does. I, I, will, I will explain more. This is. I will explain more later. You're yeah. calling your what? shot when you had a fucking dynamite stick in your back pocket. <laughs> I don't know, guys. I feel like there's going to be an explosion this episode. Yeah, you just Something dropped tells it. tells me. I, well, let me just quickly say um, I loved the first 30 minutes of this film. Me too. Loved it. Agreed. I was like, yes. James Spader comes in and he's like, you guys translated this wrong, didn't you, you idiots? Uh. And like the exposition of what the Stargate is and all the sci-fi setup. Loved it. I was into it. I'm a, yeah, uh, that was quite exciting for me. And James Spader is just, uh, he's just awesome to watch. He just is one of those actors that you go, and he said this, he's, I took this film for money, but he is just 
having a great time and he's so interesting in the way he he chooses to deliver lines and he's he just plays it really well. Have we told the listener this is the 1994? Oh, I believe I did say when I was saying the out of 11 it's Stargate, but it is the 1994. I, I let you do the intro and no, that's what I, happened. Look, I dropped the ball there. If this is Stargate 1994. This preceded uh, all of the Stargate franchise uh, to what it is TV today. shows and films. We, TV shows, so they, yeah, everything. They would have clues on the episode. They know it's Stargate. Yeah, I'm, but, you know, but it's always nice to say. Really Why do we ever say the name of the we're movie? Here thank you, thank we're here you for listener, the listener, not for, for ourselves. Um, we didn't even do hands up who liked it. Hey, listener, put your hand up. Nah, well. Yeah, look, that's a you lot look, of hands. You look yeah, right. Right. Yeah, a lot of hands. If you didn't hear Chris slap all three of us with his 11, <laughs> <laughs> that's enough hands in this Inches? room. I want to say, <laughs> Jesus, I want to say in agreement with Frank, uh, I think the first 20 or 30 minutes of the movie is the strongest. James Spader has an incredibly unique cadence mm. to, to his voice that is really, really well utilised. He always uses it well. And even just his, he's got his very start-stop rhythm when he's talking at the opening when he's giving the speech on the hieroglyphs and what he thinks has been going on. And he goes, well, well, that's never been proven. And, you know, that, that's not it. And they go, well, who do you think put them there? And he just stops and goes, I have no idea who put them there. And, you know, it just everything he does is really, it emanates charisma. It's like... Sorry to go back, but no. when we were talking about Promising a Young Woman and you were, like, again, doing your impression of Bo Burnham. It's so similar. And the choices are so different to how you'd expect a normal leading man actor to play mm. or say that line in particular. It's written so down the middle. It's so straightforward. Yeah. They were like, what if we – we've talked about David Foster Wallace before. Do you guys know who I'm talking about? When I say he's mm. like, a, He was a novelist from, like, the 90s. and so, but you, you know him, don't you, Frank? Yeah, of he, course. He wrote he, – we he got wrote, David! <laughs> he wrote the um, quickly brief, brief interviews with hideous men. You know that. Oh yeah. John Krasinski. If you if you look him up real quick, David Foster Wallace. That's what fucking uh, James Spader looks like in this movie. He kind of looks like David Foster Wallace. That is Kid Rock. If <laughs> <laughs> you are wrong. For the two listeners who know what David Foster Wallace looks like, that's an inc- that's very funny. He's go, wearing a bandana. Go, go images and short hair. But I'm like, not going to go images he, slash short hair. Whatever. Plus. He kind of looks like that, but he also kind of looks like Milo from- uh, Milo and, and Otis. <laughs> Who's that? <laughs> it's the dog and cat movie. God. Definitely not. Milo from- um, uh, the Atlantis movie, you know, the animated yeah, yeah. movie. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. kind of almost like someone saw him in this and was like, oh, that's what our animation is going to be based on. Like he's he's so similar to that nerdy archaeologist archetype and sure. it really works. Archetype. With a great jawline, right? Yes, and really fantastic hair and really wimpy energy that somehow doesn't become wet blankety. It's really appealing. I wouldn't say he's wimpy. He is a little wimpy in this movie, whatever. But yeah, it's, it Much works. unlike uh, Broderick you- in another role in Emmerich in uh, Godzilla. Which is just the wimpiest of wimps. Yes, yeah, so Matthew Broderick is wimpy in Godzilla. Oh yes. my word! James Spader is not wimpy in this. Not at all. I, I will, mm, no. I will stand you sound like some pals being thrown <laughs> right already. <laughs> I want to hear what Marcus also hates about this movie, and then I think we're just going to seed the floor, Chris, for like the next two hours. <laughs> yeah. I don't fucking know. <sighs> Look, I've got a lot of notes here, and I, I'm trying to flick through, and I'm like, I just can't. I, I, what I'm going to say is. Because I watched, uh, sporadically I watched SG-1 and I enjoyed it. I never picked it up and, and watched it from start to finish. I kind of wish I did. Just I probably for some still listeners, will. real quick, that's like Stargate SG-1, which is the TV show that's based on the same IP, yeah. right? Do you know when that started, Chris, Stargate SG-1? Presumably the late 90s, early Let's 2000s. Let's go with that. Yeah, 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 yeah. somewhere around there. Um, <clears throat> I think that this film is important to watch canonically. I think that you need to see it to better flesh out and understand the world and see the origins. Um, 
I just think that they had all so many. I hate using this because I've used it a few times now. It's like everything's there. It just didn't work. All the pieces are there, all the but pieces they don't quite there. tie it together. Yeah, and great concept, so many cool things going for it, and then just it was, it was too bizarre. There was, there was a lot of bizarre choices throughout. And I'm like, I love, I'm obsessed with Egyptian mythology and and everything around that. And that's what I've never about. heard you talk about. You never shut up ever, about ever. it. Really. <laughs> <laughs> I've missed that. Um, it's a cool concept, you know, to to jump into this different planet and have you know the the whole um, Egyptian colonization and the explanation of who built the pyramids and all oh, explanation, but kind you know, of, yeah, you know, uh, it leans into that. And then I don't know, it fizzled out, and I fell asleep, like genuinely, actually fell asleep. Uh, so did you finish the film or are we just going to assume that you haven't I, seen? And I turned it back on the next morning and I was like, oh, I've got to finish it. Wow. Yeah. Enthused and I did. It. And I got to the end and I was like, I probably didn't need to. That's how I felt. My my least favourite part of this movie is that it keeps going. <laughs> like basically <laughs> that there's, yeah. there's a point at which I was like, I don't know if we need to still be watching this movie, do we? I. But all that said, sorry, Frank. No, I'm just. Conf- I'm looking. I'm thinking about myself. I gave it a lower score than you two, and I disagree with you. So I feel like. Okay. What do you mean, though? What, what well, part I just, did you still enjoy? Yeah, tell me about it. Okay. Well, I thought the first thirty <laughs> minutes were good, as I've said. Yep. I think the the things that hold this film back. Uh, Maybe when it was made and the design and the special effects. I don't think the story is that bad. I just feel like it's a bit clunky and a bit, I don't know, slow. It just doesn't feel like it's... Sure. I don't know. It's hard, it's hard to define why I don't like it because I love the first 30 minutes mm. and then it goes into this... You go through the Stargate mm. and you get to this other world and mm. you meet this civilization and you meet the god Ra and all this stuff, and all that stuff appeals to me on paper and I like it. And then James Spader does his allergy sneeze. And I go, nah, this is terrible. What's wrong with that sneeze? You're right. That really ruined the It's the only note I took. It's the only note I took. I was like, James Spader's sneeze. He's punch on the table here, folks. It's the only note I took because his sneeze is so bad. Like, <laughs> learn how to sneeze. Yeah, Chris, what's up with the sneeze? Chris Honestly, is like a man. I need to ask right Roland Emmerich why is it? Because it's iconic. Because we have to identify James Spader later. We do. His yes, sneeze. his sneeze. But, the, but, but ultimately, he doesn't even. He's, <laughs> but he's also the only one who. If no one Which else sneezes. Which is the worst explanation for it. <laughs> yeah. Here's the thing it doesn't even work. Because later in the movie, if it's the scene I think you're talking about, where Kurt Russell's like, "Have you seen the dweeb? You know he uh, he looks like this, and he's he got glasses." And then they go, "Oh, buck, 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 buck," and so the sneeze doesn't even work. It's him pretending to be a chicken. It's a breadcrumb on the way to <laughs> yeah. chicken man. Yeah, tastes like chicken. The chicken is the gingerbread house. The sneeze is the biggest breadcrumb on the way there. Leads them there. Oh shit, Chris, why is this movie in eleven? It's it's just a sweet spot for me. Like like Marcus, I love Egyptian stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love sci-fi. I would have been, what we say, ninety four. I would have been like eight when I first saw this. It's just, it just, it all works for me. You've and been to as Egypt I, as well, right? I have. Yeah, been you inside, went because been of in, this movie. Been inside the Great Pyramid. It doesn't hurt. Yeah. God yeah. damn. Wow. Looking it, um, looking for a stargate, digging in the sand. Secretly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, it's it. it like I like I said, like it, it's a perfect film. It, it's a perfect film for me sure. as yeah. as who I am. And 
it, it's like a perfect 90s sci-fi action film. As I say, the film isn't perfect, but it's a perfect film. Can I ask I a question? Can I ask a question? So for the listener, um, the Americans find a Stargate in Egypt in 1928. We really should do a synopsis, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. so they find a Stargate <laughs> buried in the sand in Egypt in 1928 and then we jump forward to present day and they recruit James Spader's character to tr- come and translate for this job. They're going to open this or try and open the Stargate or whatever they're going to do. James Spader comes in as a translator and then Kurt Russell joins as the army general who's there to protect them slash secret mission to destroy the Stargate when they get there. Also kind of a suicide mission. Really sad little story for him. Yeah, I have layers. I have something layers. to say. Layers. I have something to say about Kurt Russell, but do you want to keep going? With I the yeah, quick, we'll so then, well, I, um, now I feel like I don't know the story. They get to this far off planet that looks a lot like Egypt and, and they meet the civilization there and they get into a, a fight or a war with the god Ra, sun god, who has possessed a person, for lack of a better word, uh, from that civilization and mm-hmm. is now immortal, now ruling them as slaves and uh, then Who's, they fight and they kill Ra and then they go home. Whose entire motivation is to continually just swap bodies. We all just punch and We're just mad at this. <laughs> Usually it's me. Yeah, <laughs> but, uh, I'm just having a great time. Um, isn't that Ra's motivation? It's just to be like, to live I forever. can live forever in another human. To be worshipped as a god, yeah. 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 Okay. But his, that's great. That's it. His rationale for picking humans is that we're so easy to fix. Wait, it was a he? Yes. I'm going to push back on that shit. <laughs> Jay straight away. He's just like, James Spade is like, I was dead. That's why I picked you all because this is the accent I'm doing. I don't fucking know. That's why I picked you all because <laughs> well, you're so easy to fix. And it's like I tripped down the stairs the other day and I very nearly had to call an ambulance. <laughs> like we are not easy to fix. You don't, have Raz, you don't have Raz technology. I guess. The ice bath that they go into. They're f- the perfect fix design. Some of the tech I really enjoyed in this movie. Um, the, the tech's great. We've got to talk about Kurt Russell real quick. No, talk about the tech. Yes, I know. But so the tech is good. I want to get Kurt Russell out of the way, can we? Okay. Kurt Russell's- I'll segue. I'll segue to the tech. Yeah, yeah cool. We'll go back. Kurt Russell's very, very, very bad in this movie. And I was- That's part of what upset me the most about watching it. Kurt Russell's haircut is very, Kurt very, Russell very shows bad. up right after he filmed Duke Nukem, apparently. <laughs> like, he's just Whoa, like- perfect. Come yeah, from doing great. that. And he's like- Or Johnny Bravo, I guess. Like, whichever one you want. But just the opening of him sitting in his bedroom and he's holding a gun and it cuts to a shot of the kid and it's just like, did he kill the kid? Like, is that what no. happened here? And he's just sad that no, he doesn't get to, to do it a second time. He's and about then, to commit suicide in his son's sure, room. But then and then they leave and they're like, what's up with that guy? He seems depressed. Ah, oh, his kid killed himself. Oh, my God. Jesus. No. Is that going to come back up in the story? Oh, very sparingly. Like, minutely, <laughs> if at all. <laughs> and then it comes back, like, <laughs> right at the end. James Spader and Kurt Russell, after all they've been through, James Spader comes to confront him and it's like, why did you come on this as a suicide mission? And Kurt Russell's like, no man should ever have to see his child die. And James Spader's like, I don't give a fuck about that shit. Get us out of here. And he just completely ignores the pain that Kurt Russell is in dealing with his child's death. He's like, not relevant to this situation. We have a battle to fight. And that's it. That's the entire conversation. Am I wrong? There is a scene where there's, it's like a, not a spying mission, a, like it's a little covert op, mm. and mm. Kurt Russell grabs the long staff weapon, and the kids 
form a barrier in front of Ra, yes. and he cannot shoot. Yes. So there are there there are little bits. It's in there. And when they save degree. them all, and he keeps trying to get the guns off the kids. Oh, and he was then, trying. He just couldn't work the tech, right? Yes. No, the I'm look jo- on his I'm face joking, is, of course. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. just that that scene. I remember thinking. I was already at the point I was pretty past the movie and James Spader came in and he's like, what's wrong with you? Tell me your issue. And I was sitting there prepared for like, oh, Kurt Russell's about to give like a two-minute monologue about the fact that his kid died and that's why he's sad. And he gets ten seconds into it and James Spader's like, none of that. <laughs> we do not have time, which I just thought was so abrupt for him to be like, I'm not interested in your shit. Yeah. See, James Spader is not a wimp. That was kind of his line there. I want to live. We all want to live. None of us want to die. It's such a shame that you're in a rush to. Like, I I loved that. I thought that was a great James Spader bit, you know. But And that's why he was brought on as the leader of the team. Kurt Russell. Yeah. Because yeah. he was willing to, to stay behind sure, and, and blow up. Blow the bomb. Yeah. Um, like, he was hired to die. To die. And that's, that's pretty dark when it, you sort of peel it, it back. It is dark. I do think that Kurt Russell, for the most part in this movie, is phoning it in to a degree that I find very depressing. I've gotten very into Kurt Russell's stuff during the 80s, especially stuff he did. If you guys have seen these movies, I know we've talked about The Thing before, you guys. Fuck, maybe that's a movie we'll do one day. But like The Thing? The Thing. One of the greatest Jesus Christ ever made. But The Thing, uh, Escape from New York, uh, Big Trouble in Little China, like mm. a lot of really great Kurt Russell movies and mm. him really expanding this breadth and this this interesting sort of- Sorry, also head. to go back to last yeah. week, uh, the uncredited Elvis Presley voice in Boris sure. Gump. Absolutely. That's fucking That's great. Right. He 100%, oh, hey, little man, do that uh, weird mm. thing with your hips Hip you just did before. My name's Austin Butler. I'm not winning an Oscar. Anyway, mm. and so then he- uh, Why would you hurt me? <laughs> <laughs> I just knew that would upset you. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I, I don't think Kurt Russell brings a lot to this, which is a shame because I kind of saw their names side by side and I was like, regardless of whether there's going to be a romantic interest in this movie, their chemistry is going to sell it for me. Fucking non-existent. I don't think James Spader and Kurt Russell had any no, chemistry in this he's, film. He's it was 100% really right. depressing. He's absolutely right. He's absolutely right. Yeah, I feel like as two actors on set, you can you cannot imagine them hanging out, having a beer. They're very different types of Ooh, yeah. actors and performers. And it didn't do the odd couple thing where it still sold it. And you're like, ah, they don't quite fit, but they make it work. It's like, no, these guys, I don't know if they were ever on set on the same day. <laughs> like, I saw them shake hands once in the movie. That's it, you know? But anyway. But to, to bring it to the tech, yeah. uh, the scene where he's fighting the, the sort of number one guard, um, give my regards to King Tut, asshole, and slams his fist and the yeah. rings come down and rip the guy's head off and... That's just wonderful. I think I was sitting on like a 4.3 and I was like, oh, 4.6. That's nice. And then, and then the, the device we're talking about, listeners, is something that like sort of concentric rings that transports people to like different parts. Like it's almost like a Stargate but slightly it's different. Like, design. It's like a small mini Stargate and it, it actually sends his head back, yeah. <laughs> which is it's so gruesome. fucking funny. It's, uh, it's interesting because, you know, I'm such a big Trekkie. You know, I'm so into Star Trek as I am. And um, is this a what, me, what is you happening? You said the Egyptian thing earlier. I don't know. Is this a bit? <laughs> to me, uh, you know, I think that Star Trek like invented the tech, whereas Stargate was able to use it properly. Do you know what I mean? Like Star Trek walked <laughs> where Stargate could run. Yeah. Would you agree with that, Chris? Uh no. <laughs> That's what I fucking think of that. Yeah. <laughs> I want to know what you're referencing, because I have I'm not a Trekkie. My favorite Star Trek uh, properties are the JJ Abrams, so <laughs> 
Neither am I. I've got no idea what you're I have written down so many Star Trek Chris references here me. to just bait Chris into something. Something. But I tell you what, there's got to be comparisons, right? In in terms of world building and and, and sort of I, the trajectory of both as a TV series especially, right? I don't think so. I mean, I it's kind so. of like comparing it to the fifth element. They're, they're chalk and cheese. They are their own Yeah, just because they're in space. And I'm glad you brought that up because I'm sorry to cut you off there, Frank. Uh, no, no, the fifth I'm, element I because I love it so I much. <laughs> Frank's favourite thing to do is to cut people off by telling them he was done. <laughs> no, but keep, keep going. What I love saying? the fifth element saying? so much and so this film I wanted to be a bit more of that or that's what I love so much about the fifth element just didn't hit its stride in this. Um, whereas I think that Stargate was able to build a fully fleshed out world and, and be able to push itself forward, whereas I don't think the fifth element... It doesn't need to. It's it, self-contained. It didn't think long term. Yeah, and, yeah. and nor sh- nor should it. I I mm. really like S- Star Wars is making TV shows at the moment. I I don't care. I want to see Star Wars on the big screen. It's where it belongs, and that's where you want to watch the Fifth Element. It's it's a big screen adventure, which is often the case with sci-fi films. Mm. They're they're grand, yeah. they're big scale. Like Star Trek yeah. started on TV and then migrated to film, and it works on both. That's perfectly fine by interesting, me. but. Yeah, Stargate, I don't know if I saw this at the cinema or not. I assume maybe I did uh, and thus fell in love with it. But, mm. um, yeah, no, I, 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 I can see them existing totally separately. Side by side. Yeah. How much yeah, of Stargate have you watched? Like the, the series? SG-1. SG-1. I watched quite a bit of SG-1. I don't think I watched either of the two spin-off shows. Okay. Um, Which were... Stargate Universe and Stargate Atlantis. Atlantis, I, I remember. Mm. I maybe saw an episode of it. I vaguely remember Atlantis. Can you tell me, you know, as very much like a dilettante in these sorts of things, I really don't know. I've seen so little of Star Trek and so little of, of some of these sci-fi big sort of legacy shows. What is Stargate's angle as a television show? Does it pick up where the movie leaves off? Is it just we're aren't, they, go- aren't they the same characters? They are. Oh, yeah. really? I think it's yeah. a so direct continuation. Richard Dean Anderson is yeah. playing Jack O'Neill. Okay. And, and Michael Shanks is Michael Shanks Jackson. is, yeah, Daniel mm. Jackson. Yeah. yeah. Wow. And so they go to an Egyptian sort of coded world or is it well, different they, they, tra- they travel around every everywhere. Week they, yeah. uh, every week they travel to a forest in Canada. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like it is literally, it's pine trees every week. That's so funny. we yeah. got to get someone new <laughs> they sometime. Can't, they can't drive the Stargate. They're just guessing. And basically, oh, the, basically the premise of the TV show is Ra was at the top. Underneath him were system lords, so basically mm. smaller gods that controlled their own little bits, but Ra was always at the top. Yeah. In the film, we killed Ra, spoilers, um, and so now all the system lords are fighting. Ah. Uh, vying for control. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Should we talk about Jay Davidson who played Ra, who I think is the worst part of this movie? I think Jay Davidson <laughs> is very funny in this movie. <laughs> is, um, intentionally? I don't know about no, the worst. certainly not. There's some bad... Contenders. I feel like the problem with Ra and Jay Davidson, and for the listener, Jay Davidson is a very uh, delicate man. He's we'll a say. little boy. He's very <laughs> small and petite, and he's dressed up in this weird mechanical Ra, Egyptian Ra <laughs> he's, god he's helmet. He's a small olive child, really. Like, let's be real. It's a prepubescent, at best, 14 year old boy. Yep. Being the big bad in the movie. It was Malcolm. And for li- <laughs> listeners at home, uh, picture Prince as a 12-year-old. Oh, my God. That perfect. is fucking oh, perfect. Literally 100%. Perfect. That's and then, what it is. Oh, and sing. then they've decided to put this the voice effect on where every line that Ra says is like, you're going to 
And you can tell yeah, that was pretty good. Throwing back yeah. that wasn't bad. Throwing back to a movie we talked about a few weeks ago, Star Wars, where it was David Prowse on the set being Darth Vader, and then they had um uh uh oh my god, I'm blank. James L. Jones. James L. Jones. I went I went <laughs> Earl James Howard. The and I was famous like, of the two That's for sure. Not a, yeah, I know I got, I got the name. My name is Earl. Oh, the body double. <laughs> but I didn't get anyway. But it's the oh, same thing shit. where you can imagine this footage of Jay Davidson being like like just saying stuff in a really high-pitched yes. voice that does not track at all. And, and you James can see Spader, it on set. It's, no, everyone's like, who is this dumb kid? Doing, right? This is ridiculous. Yes. It's, I don't think it works as the big bad. He's not, impo- not imposing. It's the problem. I, the There's second no- they take the masks off and they try to do it as like a, here, this is what your gods really are, it feels like that should have been a final reveal. Like that yeah. should have been last act or Again, last ten minutes, but they Star do Wars. it like halfway through. Okay, but you've got to you've got to sow right. the seeds That's of the rebellion <laughs> because at the end we're we not talking about this, Star Wars, Chris. We're we on. have this big <laughs> swords and sandals. Um, Lawrence of Arabia charge mm. down the hill, charge of the you know Rohirrim to uh, in uh, Jurassic Park three. Jurassic Park three. Yeah. So it's you know you have this big epic freeing the slaves conclusion. <sighs> And I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm on board. I'm having fun. Yeah. But I understand that it can be on the nose. I just didn't know what their plan was either. And we are jumping all over the places we want to do. But like <laughs> the two guys who are played by John Deal and French Stewart at the end. <laughs> yeah. That was- French Stewart being in this movie. He's my honourable man. And not, the, being, the- not being comedic. Kind like- of is. He I mean- has the face and the energy of Frank. And the body of me. <laughs> it's the most confusing thing where he's this scrawny little pipsqueak in the army. And he's just like, yeah, I got that guy. Look what I do. He's like, got that Max Payne rendered face. Do you yes, know what I mean? He doesn't look just real. Like, I, think he looks, I think he looks pretty. Like I was surprised. That's by his because he looks like you, Frank. <laughs> <laughs> hey. <laughs> Genuinely, there were so yeah. many moments in the movie where I was like, fuck, that's Frank. But. Their plan at the end where the the battle's happening and they're like, we've got to do something. And then they give up or like they, like what happens at the end there? I felt a little bit like, you go, sorry, Chris. They they didn't want the locals to die. They didn't want to pay for kicking off this bloodshed that the army guys had done. And so they basically surrender. That's, you know, stop shooting at us. We are pinned down. We're going to surrender so they can land. But then we get the big, you know, charge of the... And uh, that's it. And they yes. don't know that's Eric coming. Eric Avari comes in. Eric Avari talking about the mummy. God damn. Fucker. He's <laughs> in the deeds. That's pretty great that he he's was in great. this. He's, he's a lot of fun. It is good to see him. Do you remember the... It's always good to see him. Uh, ...who played Horace? Uh, yes, that's Jumon. And he's Jumon Honsu. Jumon Honsu. And he's like just cut. He's he's credited his... just as Jumon. Like, yeah. Like Prince. Yeah. Sure. And like it's it's him and he's his like that's, that's confusing. Now the listeners like, wait, who is which playing one was Prince? Prince? Who's playing Prince in this movie? But he's only like the second or third uh, role he's ever done. And it, it, it's very interesting seeing him in this. But yeah, I mean. Cast as buff. Yeah, he's that's his buff. job. Hey, be really strong. I guess what I'll say here is like a couple things about what I still enjoyed about the movie after the first twenty or thirty minutes. Well, no, I still feel like we haven't covered it. When he goes to <laughs> the army base and Leon Rippey is there, who you guys might not know, but he's like the mustachioed head of the army in it, and he's oh, yeah. a fantastic character actor. I love seeing him. He's also in the Patriot, which is something Nolan Emmerich did years later. 
Um, we've got. You mean Roland Emmerich? No, Nolan. Yeah. What did I say? Nolan? No, Chris, 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 Christopher, Christopher Nolan. Nolan. Christopher yeah, Nolan Emmerich. Emmerich. Noel and Emmerich. Noel yeah. and Emmerich. <laughs> <together>. <laughs> team up the team. Richard Kind is there. Which, which is so much fun. And I love that James Bader comes in and is like, who translated this? And Richard Kind's like, uh, um, uh, I did. That was Galaxy. It's really bad. And then he's angry at James Spader the whole time. He's like, well, this guy doesn't know what he's talking about. And then the, he shows him the seventh four. He's like, oh, my God, he's right. Because he's drawn with texture on the screen. <laughs> yeah. he's like, and honestly, Chris, again, it's a moment I almost want you to explain for me where he's like, see, here's how I know I'm right. And he draws and shows them two figures and goes, look. And they go, oh, my God, he did draw those two figures on the screen. <laughs> that must be it. Like, I did not get that bit at all. Like, uh, how does that? That's how a did valid he, point. What does that actually mean? What has he worked out there? That's the symbol for Earth. So that's the point of origin. He draws the cube on the board. When you say the symbol yeah. for Earth, like in because hieroglyphics or just like universally? It's Stargate language. For yeah, because okay. like he oh. describes, the, you've got six points in the cube to find your point of where you're travelling to mm-hmm. and the seventh point, which is the one they need when they're away, yep. is the, of the point is the origin point. Yep. So you find the, yeah, yeah. the name of Earth and then going we had a yeah. because mathematician it's, here with because us Because okay. on Earth four. it's the pyramid with a single sun. Yep. On the distant planet it's the pyramid three. with the three suns. Right. Yeah. That's that's why because there are the these wonderful shots throughout the film when they're on their planet with the the moons and stars in different positions, and at the end of the film they line up. Yes. Ah, you know, yeah. oh, that's the beautiful. shot of Kurt Russell and James Spader looking back at the pyramid when they're first out and looking over it. Actually, reminded me of, and we're going to have a little video game corner, which I don't know, maybe it's going to be a recurring feature. Oh, what's Go that? On. Here Go comes on. the video game corner uh, music. Okay. Is he a butler's pantry? Let's go. Oh, my God. <laughs> None of us know what to do. Right now, but I suppose it's the butler's going. pantry. Real quick. Um, did you Have you played Returnal yet? No. That's okay. Returnal oh, okay. For, for any listeners. Can we go back? I don't want to do I should have played the song oh, for this. Video games. <laughs> all I'll literally say. This podcast is about movies. <laughs> all I'll literally say is that as far as video games go, when they use a sort of sci-fi setting, but they do that sort of Egyptian desert-based sure. uh, environment. And that's something when they were walking out and looking back, I was like, oh, this is like Returnal. Like oh, it's great. got that sort of like Wellsian uh, vibe to it. Sorry to interrupt, listener. I just want to let you know that after this episode wrapped, Thomas pulled me aside and said, hey, Frank, can we get rid of that Wellsian bit? I, I don't think it is Wellsian. I didn't mean to say Wellsian. I don't even think it has a Wellsian vibe. This guy, honestly, what an idiot. Anyway, uh, he wants to say he's sorry and he didn't mean it and he hopes you can forgive him. Anyway, back to the episode. It sounds like that um, the track in Mario Kart. <laughs> there is actually, what is that track yeah, called? Rainbow Road. There's a Rainbow, Rainbow Road vibe. That's it. No, Junes. 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 Sand Junes, Darude. There you <laughs> go. Oh, my God. I think that. Can we, so this, I just want to go back. Mm. Please. What do you want to talk about? No, you go first. I was going to talk a little bit about. I want to. Do you know what I talk about? Nolan Emmerich. Okay. And oh. I think that he, <laughs> Roland, I think that he's made some very interesting movies. Um, I should have guessed before this, but mm. a little bit of like a tidbit that I got is that he's German. Mm. His name. He, I mean, he looks His German. name suggests it, <laughs> yeah. but I genuinely didn't know. I just thought he was an American. He's like a German-American filmmaker. Sure. And he is pretty skilled in broad, bombastic disaster films, yeah. you know. 
Anyone Should we go through a few? Which you laughed at me before, Frank, when I said like Emmerich was like the king of the nineties, sort of like he, he really hit his stride there. I didn't laugh at you at that you, point. I did mean, you kind of like. I was probably you're 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 laughing at something else. I would say he. I would say he hit his stride in the two thousands because we're talking about day after tomorrow. 2012, I don't know, sorry, 10,000 BC. Well, you're right, yeah. That's Stride like, was the wrong word. I mean, well, like, no, no, because disaster it, films really did emanate and, and Independence Day is probably his 90s. best, which is 96. That's true. So for the, for the listener, Stargate, <sighs> I mean, he's got a few, but Stargate, Independence Day, Godzilla, The Day After Tomorrow, 2012, mm-hmm. and then White House Down with Channing Tatum. Really good what, stuff. What was your tone there with, with White House Down? I love it. See- this is my gripe. I think this is why I didn't like this film because I just don't like him as a director. I think he's shit. I think he's a shit writer and he's a shit director. I think he's a bit um, nondescript as a director. I, like, I but, but, but saying disagree. that, sorry, to I was watching Stargate and I was like, this looks like Independence Day. Sure. I mean, I knew he would like they directed by the same person, but mm. I mm. you can tell that he's using similar camera techniques and his his designs of crafts and planes and alien. Uh, things, structures, mm. items mm. look similar. There we go. That was a great point, Frank. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really sorry. Angry. That was like Frank, th- Frank does that to himself a lot too. He's just talk myself into himself a little bit. I think <laughs> and, then, and then Roland Emmerich is really good at taking a budget and saying, I'm going to get exactly what you deserve out of this. And I think that's sure. what he's managed to do. Sure. I don't know if you guys heard about his movie from last year, but it was called Moonfall. And the movie is What If the Moon Fell? And that's basically it. And I haven't seen it, Mm. but I kind of want to because it's about what if the moon fell? And if someone's going to direct that movie and it's not Roland Emmerich, I'm kind of mad about it. I think he should direct that movie, definitely, you know? I think if there's a a, a movie about some intergalactic force, some, like, hyper-mega- disaster that we cannot avoid and it's going to have grand spectacle and very thin characterization. that's Roland Emmerich. I to a T. I'm surprised he didn't do Armageddon or Deep Impact it's sort of thing. weird oh, that, but that is, who is Deep Impact? Because Armageddon's Michael Bay, but who's Deep Impact? I can't even remember. Mimi Leader. You're Mimi right. Those, those are sort of all of a piece with each other. I think the concepts that he moves forward with are great. I think yeah. give it to someone else who's going to execute them better. I just don't think that Roland Emmerich has ever really executed these ideas well, do you feel like he's a visual, he's a more of a visual director, similar to George Lucas? He should almost sit back, back as an EP and just let someone else like Michael Bay take the reins. You know, you're going to put Michael Bay as a better director than o- almost. I mean, Transformers. I don't mine. even really like Michael Bay. Like, um, <laughs> the problem is either way, you're going to end up with spectacle that's going to only be afforded by how much you enjoy the grandiosity of it, and not suppose, so much about. And, and I don't disagree that Michael Bay is good at that but I don't go to Michael Bay or Roland Emmerich for emotional investment. That said, do you know there is one uh, Roland Emmerich movie that I'd forgotten he made in the year 2000, Mm -hmm. and that movie is The Patriot. That's a pretty fucking good movie. I would say that's his best film. I think so too. (laughs) Do you know this movie? It's Mel Mel Gibson, Heath Ledger. Yes, yes, yes. Where would you classify then Stargate within those two spectrums? What do you You, mean by that? You have- Independence Day on one hand mm-hmm. and The Patriot on the other. If you were to line those two up, I would put Stargate next to The Patriot. I think it's I think it's tr- certainly making effort to be closer to The Patriot. I see exactly what you mean, that it does have some degree to which it's trying to find some true emotional 
uh, I don't know, vivacity or like or like some connection in it with the characters and it wants to make it based and rooted in what the decisions they make are despite just the idea of like, oh, there's a disaster, there's a this, there's that. I do agree. It doesn't work for me, but mm. I know what you mean. I yeah. would put Stargate as a movie that it, it has those broad emotional strokes that I think work better in The Patriot. Do you like The Patriot? I saw it. 20 years ago. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I would need to, yeah. I, it, it's due for a re- it's rewatch. It's a yeah. crazy emotionally manipulative film and very, very, like, brutally violent and incredibly good, in my opinion. Or incredibly might be a bit much. It's does, very does, this, this, does this come down to the writer that Roland Emmerich is working with? Which is who think? for Stargate? Uh, for Stargate, it is Dean Devlin and, and Roland Emmerich. But Dean, Dean and him have done lots. They did Independence Day together. They've done – Dean Devlin kind of loves writing – big sci-fi spacey movies. Sure. So they've done a bunch of films together, notably Stargate and Independence Day. Um, but The Patriot was written by Robert Rodat, who uh, I don't know, but he's nominated for an Oscar. Save it, Private Ryan. <clears throat> maybe this is the problem. I mean, maybe because I'm not a fan of most of these films and I would argue that The Patriot I enjoyed. But it's like if you give him good material, he's going to get you, He's like like Tom said, he'll get you yeah. what the budget's worth and he'll get you what yeah. is on the page and if he'll get it right. If he's addressing the brief, if he's understood the assignment, as they say, Great. Yeah. Sure. Maybe I'm just the wrong audience for this. Maybe that uh, I enjoyed The Fifth Element because it was a bit more of like a condensed version of everything and maybe I don't like grand, big scale. But that was directed by Chris Tucker, right? <laughs> <laughs> Luc Besson. He, <laughs> Luc Besson. Dead uh, lesson. Maybe that's maybe that's it. Maybe I don't have any weight in this conversation because I just don't like this style of film. Dude, as, I'm, as, I'm as, as, it is. as close to you as I can get, considering we've got a fucking eleven sitting here just like smirking at us. Like <laughs> yeah, I yeah. do not agree with this man, yeah. but I see exactly where there is a comforting. And the fact that you brought up the mummy is so accurate. Mm. Not just for Eric Avari being in this and the second you see him, you're like, oh, it's Eric Avari. And but, it's set in Egypt. And it's set in Egypt and it's got a lot of those elements. But it is just a very comfy, cosy couch movie to watch over and over again as a kid grow mm. up with and be like, what's the problem with me loving this? It's sure. a fucking fun if movie. I had a, if I had a time machine, we'd be back in 1994. I'd find you before on the northwest coast of Tassie. I got... I'd be I got four, seven months old. Yeah, I got yeah. four tickets to the village cinema. Let's go and sit on these wooden seats. Comfortable. <laughs> and let's watch Stargate. And I think then you guys would probably have a different It would be very different. Thing. It's, 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 just, it's just a point of love for me. That. Yeah. Like, yeah. as I said, the film is not perfect, I, but it's just, it's just fun that. for me. I do respect that. Yeah. It fits. 100%. I've got a tidbit. I've got a little. I've got a fun fact for this one. Actually. Give us some tidbits. Marcus is big. Marcus is big. There's some bits and we're gonna get them. <laughs> okay, sound sound bite that. I d- I can't. <laughs> <laughs> Legally, Frank just cut his hands off with a rusty spoon. Um, Ronnie Cox. Ronnie Cox, stay with me. As President Robert Kinsey. <laughs> I'm not with you. So sorry. <laughs> so, who is Ronnie Cox? Wait, Ronnie Cox. Who are you talking about? Let me tell you the story. Sorry, okay. God, he shut your mouth, man. <laughs> Stay with me. Stay with me. Uh, Ronnie Cox. We all just leave. As President Robert Kinsey in Stargate SG-1 was also Admiral Jellicoe in Star Trek The Next Generation. Oh, hello. Hello, yeah. Jellicoe. The best captain of the Enterprise. Jellicoe cats. <laughs> Like you're just factually wrong. Like, no, no. Like, I don't. I don't even know why you're trying to dig this. <laughs> I don't know. It's just another. Thing. What else you got? You, you and the fact that you, the fact that you didn't even specify an enterprise. Like, 
Yeah, the Enterprise, the refit, A, B, C, D, E. Are there? Yeah, I think they even rolled out F in uh, Star Trek oh, Picard that's on at the moment. Fuck. See, I just want to debate again something out of Chris there. See, that wasn't even, that was like, <laughs> it could have been more hurtful, which would have been fun. Oh, was, I'm not a hurtful person though. Just, um, just be upfront. Just say 28 um, Days Later sucks. Just like, just be direct. Yeah. So All right. Jay Davidson, who played Ra, quit acting after this film. You're happy about that, I can tell. <laughs> so I'm, I wrote him a letter and I said, you better quit, man. <laughs> you dated in 1994. <laughs> you better fucking stop. Stop retroactively. But apparently just hated making this film. Apparently when his last cut was called, he just took off the costume, got naked on set and was like, good. <laughs> and walks away. Crazy that they left it in. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Always my bit, but that is funny. <laughs> All right. <I> <laughs> <laughs> Do you find that young young Spader looks a lot like William Fitchner? Do you see? Uh, a little Anyone else see that? Who's Fitchner? Uh, is that the, the guy dude from? He's from he's uh, the Dark Knight. Uh, you have any idea who you're stealing from? You oh, and yeah, your friends bank, are the dead. Banker, the banker and also the in in the Longest Yard plays the guard. So the if you guy. remember the opening scene of the Dark Knight, Chris, and there's the bank they're stealing from, and he's the one with the shotgun, and he's like firing this, at them. We'll show you a photo. Drawing blank. Oh, Frank, Frank pulled up a photo very quickly. Also, we should probably just, okay. I mean, the listener's going to okay. be like, I right. don't care. You're Googling for any other listener very good. who is fairly, like, cinematically uh, versed, you'll remember him from Heat. He's also the the guy who rips off uh, Robert De Niro's gang. I feel it. like most people and know him from The Longest Yard. I think The Longest Yard, but I think, I think people are into 90s movies, they're going to remember, oh, he's the guy in Heat. If they were to play brothers, I'd be like, yeah, they look like brothers. Sure. He's got that. I want to talk a little bit about... Three things. I'm going to list them and we can talk about them in any order. All right, guys. Here I've got a hundred things I want to talk Section about. Section 1A. <laughs> First part is that James Spader and Kurt Russell have very interesting careers sure. and have had uh, an interesting sort of elder statesman development where they've both played Marvel villains at this point. You've got mm-hmm. James Spader as Ultron. You've got Kurt Russell as ego. Chris Pratt's fucking ego dad. Yeah, From Guardians of the Galaxy. So you've got yeah. the the way in which these guys both emerged as not dissimilar stars but took different paths. You know, James Spader was kind of part of the Brat Pack with uh, uh, Less Than Zero and, you know, a couple of those other sort of like – John Hughesy movies in the eighties <laughs> and Boston Legal, of course. That's, but no, that's <laughs> so that's good in that. So necessary to mention that he kind of revital. Without Boston Legal, James Spader wouldn't be in our lives now. I don't Stoke think. William Shatner. Second, yeah, during which there's a scene Gosh. where James Spader in like season two of that show, they're learning about like uh, environmental damage to the streams in Canada. He's like. Saying to William Shatner, did you know that there are fish in these streams and if they die, they don't get to give the parasitic development to these other fish? They're called Klingons. And William Shatner goes, did you just say Klingons? And that's it. <laughs> that's the only bit they do. That's the Is weirdest that coincidence. That they, both, they both worked on projects that had the word star in it as well. That's, that's true. Oh, my God, that's so weird. William Shatner was mm. in I'm a star, get me out of here. And William, Shatner was, TV William Shatner was in Miss Congeniality with Sandra oh. Bullock. Oh. Oh. 28 days. Oh. Way to number three. <laughs> Full circle. Oh, my Full God. Everyone's circle. connected. So that's James Spader doing, you know, you're absolutely right, Boston Legal, and then coming back and doing fucking now he did The Blacklist, which is a show I swear to God is still running, I think. It I, is. It's a fucking insanely popular show mm. with with older people. But he was Ultron. He, he just shows up in things and he gets to kind of be 
the wisecracking little smarmy acerbic guy. And then Kurt Russell gets to be the older sort of like was a Disney star in the 70s, 80s. Yeah, it looks did, like a prince, like a rugged 100%, prince 100%. And then did oh, like- jaw. Oh, my God. And then Perfect. did- But his son's also, sorry, Wyatt Russell, his son is now or played the new Captain America- mm-hmm. In is his name White Russell though, or is it White? Oh no, no, it is. It's White Russell. It's not Mr. Horn. <laughs> after Goldie Horn, that's his name. No, I don't know. <laughs> Just in case you didn't get that. Mr. Horn. We really liked your audition. What can we put down for the name? Ah, <laughs> uh, my name's Mr. Horn. <laughs> He's a right nice wrestler. I'm telling you that. Um, he, uh, yeah, uh, uh, Russell has been, you know, pretty pretty prevalent in like modern things. He was in the Poseidon Adventure remake, which I know feels like a bit of a weird call out, but no, it's it like, all right. it's just one of those things where he showed up in it and you're like, oh, yeah, that's right. Like, mm. Kurt Russell, like, mm. he does that sort of stuff. One of the things I always remember is I'm pretty sure he's the voice of the hound in Fox and the Hound, or is he the voice of the fox? Really? He's one of them. I think he's. I think he's the hound. This is the great thing about Tom. He does his research to some degree just, and then, and then I- to the finish line and then I go, mm, you got to push me over. I am scrolling Kurt Russell's IMDb and being like, oh my God, I can't it's read this It was fast. in the 80s. Spader definitely had the better career though. I mean, he did, uh, he had a spotlight on The Office at one point, the US Office. Which I think sure. Spader has a more respected career, but- but Kurt Russell's- Who's has, got more money? Kurt Russell's as much of a <laughs> mainstay, I think, if you want to go- cel- French Stewart. French Stewart, definitely. That's all the money. If you want to yeah. go celebrity-dom, like the fact that Kurt Russell You're and dumb. Goldie Horn are like married and have been for so long is, is a pretty big like legacy couple. You know he is second generation. He's a Nepo baby. Who's his sort of parents though? You're right. Mr. Russell. Known <laughs> <laughs> for such films as um, they call me the Money Mr. Man. Russell. <laughs> Who is he in Fox in the Hand? And Howdy, Mr. Horn. He was Copper, Copper which I'm assuming I is think the Fox. Copper's. Which one's Copper? Copper Must be the Fox. It's the crazy Foxes. that it's like. They give them real names. Just call them the Fox. I know, right? Anyway, he's in the Fox of the Hound. Can Good movie. Some, someone should tweet us and tell us. I don't remember them talking, if I could be honest. In Fox of the Hound. I really don't. It's just a no. dog and a fox they scrapping don't talk. for meat. He does the voice, but he just goes... <laughs> 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 Is that a fox? My, fox. <laughs> my name's Copper. That's all he says. Oh, so God. we have two other things I want to talk about. We're talking about, about Stargate, actually. We're talking about great. the movie Stargate. I think James Spader has very good chemistry with the young Israeli actress in the movie who in the movie plays a character whose name I think is like Shaura and I looked at her name and I just can't remember it, unfortunately. It's Millie, Millie Avital. And the name of the character is? Shaura. Shaura. She's stunning. She's stunning and the scene where they where she teaches him how to pronounce the hieroglyphs is one of the highlights of the movie where he's getting excited and he's going like, Nedja. She's like, Nedja. And he's like, yeah. And he's so into it and she's really happy to be teaching him and and see that he gets it. I was nice. nice. Once you get the vowels down. Yeah, once you get the vowels. And then in the next scene he's like, I am fluent in this language. (laughs) Put down your weapons. (laughs) (laughs) It's a very quick learning curve. But he's a very smart man, which is established early on. So yeah, he'll get it. She's doing something something in that movie that we've talked about two previous we're on a bit of a you know, ni- 90s she, kick yeah lately. she's acting she's acting but uh, <laughs> what are we gonna say we're on a bit of a 90s kick we did Waterworld. we did forrest gump we're doing stargate and one of the ways you can tell it's a 90s movie is when the shot cuts to the back of a woman and they take their shirt off and they like drop their shirt and we got that with jenny exact same thing in, in forrest gump we got that with 
uh, Gene Triplehorn in Waterworld, and so we get it. It's here a body double in Waterworld. It's, it's, I think it's almost always a body double, but it's just that thing of like you wouldn't do it with a body we double. We always hundred percent. I would just do it for real. I would just drop my shirt and just be like, and they'd say, "Cut, nope, that's not in the scene." Papa brought snacks, but anyway, what we're seeing here is that. <laughs> no, keep going. What's your point? Marcus, you got this. Marcus's head just swiveled. <laughs> He's happy to be talking about Thomas naked. I think it's, Again. A, it's a very- Every dinner party we have. <laughs> it's a very 90s treatment of like sexuality and sexualization, which I think is is kind of interesting watching through these movies. We didn't really talk about it the last ones, but like almost all of them have that similar scene where Forrest is like, oh, I don't know what to do. And then he comes in the dressing gown. That's a different scene. But anyway, and then in like Waterworld- You mean the treating women, they're just like, they are objects. And, and, it's- and then and the character is a good person because they don't sleep with them. Yes. Which is a very, it's a it's, very shortcut way of going like, what a nice guy. But it's still, an easy, yeah. they're all in all these movies. All that said, I think James Spader and she have wonderful chemistry. I did want to talk about the history of Stargates and that sort of like technology in pop culture before the oh, movie. I thought you were going to talk about in reality. Yes. Like, Tom, it might not be it, real. It can happen. I'm sorry. But really quickly, I have one thing here. But Chris, do you have anything that you know of that predates this that that really like sticks out for you? Like in maybe in well, Star Trek in nineteen twenty eight. Do you mean when they discovered it yeah, in the movie? Really- <laughs> so nothing predates that. This is real. This is based on. It was one no, of the sorry. first talkies. I'm talking. It was a talkie. Charlie Chaplin discovered it. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm convinced. The little tramp just smacking his cane against him. <laughs> You're a tramp. What do you think, Chris? Like, is there anything? I'm, I'm keen to hear where you're going with this. Mine is. I love how you throw to Chris to be like, throw back to me. Mine is throw not, back to me. I've got this. I didn't do it to do that because I thought maybe there'd be something so I don't have to keep talking. But I guess I'm going to. Yeah. Uh, Surprised. A- Say something, Chris, please. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, let's listen. There's a short story by Stephen King called The Jaunt that's from the 1980s. And it's largely thought of as a little like splinter cell, sort of like sleeper influence on all of these stories about. Uh, stargates and transportation it's about a discovery they make where you can go through a portal end up in another position anywhere across the known universe or the world in like three seconds problem is you have to be unconscious if you're conscious you have to experience eternity you go mad and you die and that's the short story it's like seven pages long it's horrifying because it ends with it ends with a young boy doing it and like it's a really terrifying story about the implications of what supercharged sort of transportation could lead to. But it, Stephen King just ruining it's Stephen our King, day. And it's Stephen oh. King being asked, like, could you do a sci-fi story? And he's like, whatever the little boy clawed his eyes out at the end. <laughs> it's like, Jesus, Stephen, just fucking yeah. hell. But it's it really is an interesting uh, thing to think about these ways of looking at transportation in pop culture and how they evolved over the years. And and that's one of my only ones watching this today. I watched I watched this this morning and I was like, fuck, I remember that short story by Stephen King. It's a fantastic way of looking at like what the trade-off is there, which I think this story does as well because they get to the other end and they're like, fuck knows if we're going to be able to get back, right? Mm. You know? Interesting. So that's Interesting. My- it is very brave of them to be like, I and mean, they have that moment where James Spader is stepping through the Stargate initially and you can see him go, Fuck what I'm about to do. And then he closes his eyes and sort of gives in and goes through. But you could be walking into anything at it's that point. It's a bit presumptuous just- to just go, well, that plasma looking shit. Looks safe. Let's just well, they walk sent, they sent the little, into it. They sent the little rover through. Yeah, and, and they that, could, that worked out real well for the rover, right? Like, they they tracked. Also, we got it? some Blair Witch photos <laughs> and then died. They're like, that looks good enough. We're no, going in. They tracked it. They tracked it across <laughs> the galaxy. And they went, no, there it is. That's safe enough. 
Yeah, didn't but, they? At, mm-hmm. but they then it's did, not. But it's not on the planet uh, when I they know. get there. That did, would you trust that? No, that's it. That would reassure me. Me, who yes, can't watch Frank. a horror movie, would <laughs> yeah. I walk through the Stargate? That's a good question, guys. I'm about to pee pee my pants, but uh, <laughs> I pee pee in the Stargate. It will be in a new universe, so it doesn't count. Actually, like Chris, in, uh, in SG One, at any point, is there is there a, a situation where it goes wrong that the travel does? Backfire. Isn't that every episode oh, and they get there and then the Stargate breaks down and they have to like fix it? Yeah, they but have, like the, the travel itself, oh, you can't recall. No, cool. Nothing specific, but okay. Okay. It, it, I mean, it's like the teleporter or the holodeck in Star Trek. Like mm. every second episode, something yeah. goes wrong with it. Of course. And, you know, Moriarty comes to life and tries to kill everyone mm. on the Enterprise mm. D, you know, things like that. So, There's a guy called Moriarty. As in, like a Sherlock Holmes reference. Yeah, that's right. I love it. Yeah, nice. Data. Data keeps solving the Sherlock mysteries too easily, and so <laughs> he asks the computer to create an Memorial. adversary for, no. for Data. And so Data's like, you know, super what genius robot, which is, and then that's Age of Ultron. And they didn't basically they didn't get yeah. sued for that. I mean, Sherlock Holmes is. It's now free. open. It's, it's public domain. It's old enough. It's in the public open domain. domain. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's, domain. he's like ninety-five. He can yeah. barely walk anymore. No, I was looking for an instance where someone goes through the Stargate and just like only half of them turns up. Do you know what I mean? Like they've just. There was, it may have even been, the, the in the film there's a character of Kowalski. Mm. He comes back in the TV show. I believe he's played by a different person. I'm not 100% sure. Mm. But he is hard, he gets taken over by the Goa'uld, which is the parasite that we're alluded to in this film, but we never really it's never really fleshed out, Ooh. but there's like a little snake inside you called the Goa'uld, which possesses you, makes your eyes glow. Ah, yes, yes, Kowalski yes. gets taken over by one, and he's halfway through the Stargate, and they turn it off. No, and so he basically gets cut in half. No, yeah. Wait, does he live? No. Ah! <laughs> he drops Kowalski. to the ground half there. And like, Are you okay? <laughs> and then they give him magic legs. Kowalski is such a. Like a American soldier, a name. military yeah. name, yeah. Kowalski, but a guy who's not going to make it. It's yeah. always, he's never going to make it. Okay, Kowalski and Pedrick. Those guys are fucked. Dead. Yeah. Pedro, but Miller and Jackson are always alive. Yes, yeah, Miller and Jackson. Good. Miller, I, I, my god. Actually, that was my favorite part of the film. Uh, I did like the relationship between uh, Spader and, and the. Uh, sorry, her name again. Sharae. Sharae. Beautiful. Uh, it was really, it was really lovely. Um, my favorite part of the film, though, was that predator esque. Moment inside the pyramid where it, mm. the, either Horus or Anubis is like picking off the soldiers one by one, and yeah, I was like, yeah. "This is cool. I'm enjoying this again." I was yeah. like, "Yeah, lock and load, boys! Hoorah!" It's a decent action. It's a decent action. Yeah, and that, I think that's another gripe too. I don't feel the film had enough action, or I wanted more. There was the scene where after they've stolen the eggs earlier on. They have to go back because they're being hunted by the Velociraptors, and they have to give them back from earlier when they've got them mm-hmm. in the backpack. Yeah, okay. yeah. And they have so to make sure that they just, and they whistle through the the raptor it's bone. It's just if they don't get it back to them, the Velociraptors are going to hunt them for the rest yeah. of the movie. Early use of a early use of a three D printer. I yeah. just it just realized that's Jurassic Park three. I'm sorry, guys. Sorry, oh, my, bad. Oh, my bad. My bad. My bad. Don't worry yeah, about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I always do this. I'm sorry. <laughs> this come back to me. Yeah. So is anyone going to throw in the um, proverbial? Four point eight. Yeah, I'm gonna. I'm taking this as an absolute win. (laughs) (laughs) You should. Well, I was at three point seven, and I'm gonna go to a six. Shut the fuck up. Okay. (laughs) How 
dare I change my mind? That's the whole point. <laughs> right. The whole Double fucking it. point. Wow. Okay, do some math. That'd be seven point four. No, Shut that was that was great to hear Chris up. talk about it. The passion, the joy, and I looking back. I go, yeah, I did because. I had a good time. Classic Frank had a good time. Don't judge me, Marcus. Do you think Frank had a good time, Marcus? <laughs> are you gonna are you gonna throw anything? I in? give Frank's enthusiasm a two. <laughs> All right. Well, that was hurtful. No, I'm gonna sit on four, guys. I'm gonna stay. I fold. Uh, well, I'm all in. Um, well, that was Stargate 1994, Roland Emmerich film. It was. And um, yeah. again, thank you for listening. Thanks, guys. He means it. He really means it. He's genuine about everything he says. Is he? I've never been sincere. Do you love me, Frank? Do you love me, Frank? Huh? in the pal. Yes, I love you, Marcus. This is brought to you by my broken heart. Oh, relief. Jesus. Thanks for helping me produce this, guys. My name is Francis. My name is Chris. There's a stereo. My name's Tom. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I'm Marcus. Oh, yeah, you are. Good on you. And this is called. Through in the Pound.